So we'll just have a few minutes of silent meditation together before the talk. And if our friends in the online Dharma Hall can give me a thumbs up that they can hear me. Yes, wonderful.
for the last couple of minutes. Seeing what happens if you invite a gentle smile to the face, just inviting a gentle smile. With a smile inviting the whole body to soften, to open, to relax. And so feeling for yourself, if you wish to stay in this posture that you're in right now for the, for the talk, for the teachings. Eyes closed, eyes open. Just noticing what would be supportive for listening and then adopting that. And I'll be right back.
So I invited you earlier to um, just explore a little bit what happens if we uh, invite a gentle smile. It can be a big smile too if you want, but just be a gentle smile to the face. And got two models of that right behind me. You might not be able to see, but I always think of it as the gentle smile of the Buddha and of Kuan Yin here as well. And yeah, just just to have that as a thread of, of interest, of inquiry uh, through this period of time. What happens when we do that? How does that impact the experience? I also want to kind of acknowledge that uh, we've been here for 24 hours. Yeah. And yeah, it takes a lot sometimes. Yeah, and we can maybe take a moment to appreciate that. Yeah, um, potentially hasn't all been smooth sailing so far. Yeah. And we can just take a moment to appreciate ourselves yeah, for being here, our intention, our commitment. And also to um, to appreciate each other. Yeah. There's a lot of support. Yeah, we can uh, feel it, perhaps here in the uh, both in the online hall and in the physical hall. Yeah. And we can also open to each other. Yeah, knowing ah, there's a bunch of people here practicing at Guy House. And with us, a bunch of people all over the world practicing in Gaia House, yeah, just virtually. Mm. You can feel that sense of like, wow. Uh, how we support each other, inspire each other. Yeah, whenever we show up for the practice, yeah, every moment, whether it's you know a moment of ease or a moment of challenge, you know, where we show up. We're a support for that movement towards our depth, towards understanding, and towards all those beautiful intentions that we shared just last night. Yeah. Might feel like a long time ago already. And so that's one invitation. Well, two already, that gentle smile, that sense of <coughs> opening to appreciation of ourselves, of others, feeling the mutuality of support. Um, and also, like we started off last night, an invitation to welcome ourselves as we are, as we are unfolding, as we are arising in this moment, yeah. as the body and mind and heart yeah, are being shaped in this moment. Can we uh, welcome that and can we relax with that, whatever that is? And we're interested in doing this because we're interested to see how this impacts experience. What happens to experience yeah, when we kind of go beyond those initial preferences and bring a sense of welcoming and a possibility of relaxing? Yeah of allowing 
this moment of unfolding to unfold. What happens to experience when we bring a gentle smile? I really encourage you to try that. What happens when we do that? What does this reveal? How is experience impacted and what does it reveal? So one thing it reveals, and I've kind of already, there was a teaser there (laughs) in this intro. It reveals to us how our experience is put together, constructed, shaped. Every moment. And it's put together, built, constructed of many conditions. But in particular, we want to, through our practice, to um, understand or to explore how the way we look, the way we look and experience, how it impacts it. So what's a way of looking? Might be our mood, might be our mind state, um, might be our habits might be our intention, yeah. might be a view yeah, that is present in the heart and mind. Yeah. That colors perceptions, colors what we perceive. And these are always there, but they're like these you know, things, like these lenses that we don't necessarily see, we don't necessarily, um, we're not necessarily aware of. Yeah? We think, ah, here's the object, and that's what I'm experiencing, the object. Yeah. And Dharma teachings come in and say, is that so? <laughs> yeah. Is that so? So ways of looking uh, shape what we perceive yeah. and shape how we perceive and what we experience, and how we experience. And I want to use a story here to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about. Stories, and I'll I'll kind of uh, disclaimer, not the first time I've used this story in a Dharma talk, so you may have heard it before. This is a story from from Ram Das, a great spiritual teacher, and um, and the kind of at least during the early stages or not so early stages of his uh, spiritual journey, he was also experimenting a lot with uh, psychedelics of all kinds. So here's a story of him going to family dinner on LSD. Okay. And remember, we're not taking LSD on the retreat, <laughs> but. This is an interesting story as far as understanding ways of looking. So he's an adult and comes into his parents' home. And as some of you might know from your experience, we walk through those doors and, huh, yeah, all the conditioning, all the patterns, all the habits of a family dynamic arise. Yeah. And so they sit down to a meal and he's sitting across from his brother. And he and his brother have a, a kind of barbed dynamic. Yeah? They like to poke each other. Yeah. So this is how Ramdas tells the story. His brother starts off with saying, what's wrong with you? you know? 
When was the last time you brushed your hair? And there's Ramdas sitting, and he's gotten that, and he kind of stays quiet. He's a bit, what was that? And another comment, yeah, like that, comes his way. So his mind state, what's his mind state? He's pretty relaxed, yeah, and he's pretty creative in his imagination (laughs) at the moment. And he is not reactive in the normal way that he would be. And so he starts seeing this, he describes it at least visually, yeah? So he sees a comment come out of his brother's mouth as an arrow coming out of his brother's mouth and heading across the table towards him. Ha. And he sees also in himself, yeah, the reflex, the reaction to shoot an arrow back. Yeah, that's the, that's the habit. But... What did we say? He's, he's got more time than he normally would. He's less compelled by his habits. And he realizes, if, I, if my brother shoots arrows at me and I shoot arrows at him, he's not going to stu- stop shooting arrows at, me, arrows at me, right? All that's going to happen is gonna, we're going to keep hurting each other. Yeah? This dynamic is going to keep going. And so he, he sees that and he realizes there's another possibility. Okay, so this is in his imagination. (laughs) The arrow is coming his way. He reaches out, catches it. It's coming quite slowly. Catches it, and he takes it, and he puts it down next to his plate. Then what do you think happens? Another arrow comes. (laughs) And again, he catches it, and he puts it down next to his plate. And he says, okay. What else can I do? I can keep catching the arrows. What, what, what else can I do? I can shoot arrows back. I already decided that's not a good idea. Yeah. So he decides, instead of sending arrows back, to send what in his imagination is a heart. Yeah. And he says to his wife, uh, to his brother, sorry, oh, you and your wife look really happy tonight. Yeah. And... The heart goes over and kind of lands on his brother. This is in his imagination. And this continues. Yeah? The arrows coming from one direction, keep catching them, putting them down, sending hearts back. Interesting thing is, what he says is by the end of that dinner, yeah, with his parents, his brother, his sister-in-law, they're all kind of loved up. Yeah? There's this really nice vibe around the table. Yeah, and his brother's got his arm around his wife and the parents are laughing and Ramdas feels really great. Yeah. Yeah, really great. And so what's kind of what's going on there? Yeah. And and I and I love, you know, this this description of his because it kind of slows down a process that we normally don't see. Yeah. So what is he describing? He's saying, you know, here I am, dinner, family, certain habits get triggered. Yeah, but we don't see them. Yeah? And so we're just reactive. Someone shoots an arrow at us, we just shoot an arrow back. We're just reactive. If I look at the same experience a different way, I bring in a different way of looking. Yeah? From the habit, I need to defend myself by hitting back. Yeah? I think, what else can I do? Yeah? What else can I do? Pluck those arrows, put them down. Yeah, not only that, I can bring love in. Yeah. Of course, this is his brother. He doesn't need to 
even work too hard to feel it, yeah? in their case at least. Yeah? And so changing, yeah? changing the way we look at, at the experience shapes the experience from, you know, oh gosh, never doing that again, family dinner. Yeah. I'm from a Jewish background, so I'm, I'm, I'm allowed certain jokes that other ones may not. You haven't been to a Friday night dinner with a Jewish family. Yeah. Something to look forward to. Yeah. All these dynamics. Yeah. It's a different way of looking, different experience from the same old, same old yeah, of conflict, of comp- competition, of mutual hurt. Get to a place of um, love, yeah. a place of love. So Nathan mentioned uh, this word yesterday, dukkha, yeah. and he said, you know, dukkha is the lack of freedom. Yeah. So I'm going to say uh, what dukkha is in another way, yeah, based on this Ramdas story. Dukkha is our habit of friction and reactivity with experience. Yeah. Dukkha, often related to as translated as suffering, yeah. is the habit that we have to react, to contract, yeah. and to get into friction with our experience, whether that's other people, our own experience. Yeah. The weather, doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. The habit of friction and reactivity. And so some ways of looking at experience are dukkha builders, yeah? Aversion, resistance, yeah? They create more dukkha, more friction, more contraction, yeah? And some ways of looking, non-reactivity in this story, friendliness in this story, yeah? They generate freedom, they generate well-being, they decrease, yeah, the dukkha in experience. And we know this for ourselves, yeah? We know this in so many ways. Yeah. Can have the same experience and relate to it differently. Yeah. Same thing happens and we relate to it differently. And everything unf- unfolds in a different way. So this is what we mean, yeah, when we say our experience is shaped, made up, fabricated, constructed, yeah, put together. Countless causes and conditions, and particularly we're interested in this one, yeah, the mind and the heart, yeah, through which these ways of looking come to be. Yeah. And we're interested in the condition, yeah, in the way our hearts and minds, the way our ways of looking at experience, the way they construct our experience. Yeah. And why are we interested in that in particular? <laughs> because this is the arena of our exploration. Yeah. It's our own heart and mind that we can cultivate, that we can develop. Yeah. It's our own uh, heart and mind that we can investigate and understand. And through that, gain a deeper understanding, both of other beings and of the way life appears, the way dukkha and non-dukkha 
come into being. So I'm going to say this another way, yeah, because, you know, on the one hand, sometimes this feels, yeah, of course, yeah, really accessible, really makes sense, and yet there's so much depth to it, and sometimes we just find ourselves saying, huh, what's she on about? What? Ways of looking. Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to say it another way. And I think Nathan actually uh, said it this way last night. But I have no problem repeating him. Stealing his lines, the whole thing. So when there's an experience, yeah, any experience, when there's an experience, there is an object in attention. Yeah. Does that make sense? Can we agree to that? If there's an experience, there's something being experienced. There's an object that we're paying attention to. And yet, the experience does not consist just of the object. It doesn't consist just of the object. It is also shaped by the atmosphere of our attention, which is another way of saying, way of looking. Is our attention um, harsh or friendly? Is it expansive or constricted? Is it aversive? So the way attention has an atmosphere. And so our experience is shaped by the object, but even more by the atmosphere of attention, by the way of looking. And again, that can be our mood, our view, our intention, our habit. And so we can see this in many ways. We have habits of attention. We pick up certain things and not other things. Yeah? And you know, right now in this moment, there are infinite amounts of stimuli going on. Infinite. Yeah? And yet, you know, if we tried, we couldn't pick up all of them, thank goodness. Yeah? We get quite a mush in here. Yeah? So our attention filters, but it doesn't filter randomly. Filters often out of habit, picking up certain object, certain stimuli, and not others. So for example, when would you just look at the room right now, how often do you notice the space in the room? Yeah? Do you notice that? But the space is there as much as the objects are there. It's another object, but we don't notice it because we're wired to notice objects and not space. We can see this on, on other levels. Now we're very much wired to notice the unpleasant more than the pleasant. It's a, human, a tendency of the human mind to notice what's wrong more than what's not wrong yeah, or what's good. So these are habits of mind, and through practice, we become more sensitive to the fact that they exist. We also um, become more able to recognize them and to see what they feed, what they result in. And through practice, we also get more and more flexibility and the capacity to incline and direct and choose. It's really, 
yeah, just one really important sentence. Just remember this one, okay? Dukkha, yeah? Dukkha, suffering, ill-being, stress, distress, yeah? Friction, contraction, reactivity, demand, you know, pick your word, dukkha. You see now why we like to use the Pali, yeah? Dukkha and freedom are not in the object. They're not in the object, they're in the way of relating. In the way of relating. In the way of looking. And please, check this for yourself again and again. Check this for yourself again and again. And let's just take an example from today. When the sun came out again, you know, some point in the afternoon... (laughs) Were you joyful or despondent? Was there like, oh, or yeah. Yeah. Just reflect back and notice for yourself. Really interesting. Now, I would say that that reaction depended on all kinds of things. (laughs) Potentially, it was related to the fact that we've just had a really long, sunny, hot heat wave. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you went, yeah. I went, uh, and then yeah. <laughs> yeah. But whatever your reaction was, yeah, it's shaped by different things. Now, if you think, you know, I was remembering, I was just walking here, and remembering often I'm on retreat at Guy House in the winters, and I love doing walking meditation out the back here. I was just walking there before the talk, and I kind of was getting all these really visceral memories of days in the middle of winter when it's really sunny, and that's a beautiful sunny patch to walk on. So, sun on a cold winter, in a cold winter day, yeah, or a warm winter day, sun after a week of heat wave. Yeah. Do we always have the same response? Does it always feel the same? Do we always have the same experience? Is it always good? Is it always pleasant? No. Yeah. So, what's the difference? It's the way of relating. Yeah? It's the way of relating. And we can play with that. We can play with that way of relating. We can remind ourselves of things. Yeah? And we can play. We can notice our ah, reactivity. Made up. Constructed. Not inherent. Here's the dukkha in the friction. Yeah? In the friction with experience. When we try to kind of pick and choose according to that, the flavor of that moment, the mood of that moment. So again and again through practice, we kind of look, we explore this way. And as we're doing that, we develop the clarity, more and more clarity of seeing. How is this moment of experience shaped? How is it built up? How is it fabricated? And as we do that, we deepen the flexibility, the malleability of our heart and mind. And we actually increase the range of ways of looking that are accessible to us. We cultivate ways of looking that free. Cultivate ways of looking that free us. (laughs) 
So, you know, just a, a kind of small example, and again, I've used this before, some of you have heard, you know, but just relatively recently, uh, beginning of the pandemic, Nathan and I found ourselves in Israel, <laughs> arrived for a six-week visit, and within a week we were in lockdown. Yeah. And we ended up living for 14 months with my mum in uh, the middle of the kind of urban urbanity, which is the center of Israel, uh, in a 10th floor of a <laughs> very tall building, surrounded by other tall buildings, uh, and lots of people and cars. Um, 14 months, yeah? And here's the beauty of the practice. Yeah? Would we have chosen that at any other time? Probably not, it's not our inclination but we kept choosing it again and again, and we were clear about that. That's the way of looking. That's what we wanted to do. Yeah. We wanted to be with her. Yeah. And so the way of looking becomes love. Yeah. And the way of looking becomes care. Yeah. The way of looking becomes connection. And the experience changes. I like cities, I don't like cities. becomes less relevant. Yeah. We have that flexibility of mind and you know, I'm pretty sure that would have been a lot harder <laughs> yeah, five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. Yeah. We can increase the flexibility, we can increase the malleability of our mind through our practice. And so the, one of the most beautiful and powerful points about this, yeah. And sometimes, you know, we give these kind of talks and people feel like, oh, you know, everything's constructed and experience is constructed and there's all these things that are habitual. <laughs> there's no way out. Yeah. It's just the opposite. Yeah. There's always something we can do. Yeah. The more we digest these teachings, the more, the more we understand them and see them in our own experience, the more possibilities we have. Because we're already always doing something. <laughs> it's just a habit so we don't see it. Yeah. Always doing something already. Yeah. And we can learn to recognize and we can learn to shift, yeah, to open. And we're already doing it. Yeah. I'll just tell you some things you've done since you've been here. Yeah. You've kind of explored. Right? what it means to bring interest and kindness. That's a way of looking, yeah, to experience. Just to be interested, yeah, just to have an intention of kindness. You've explored attuning to the pleasantness or the nourishment of the breath or the sound. That's a way of looking. Hmm. I'm gonna say it again, you've explored what happens when you smile. <laughs> That's another way of looking. So we're doing it already. We're doing it already in our practice. Always something we can do. The more we understand this, the more we remember the dukkha or the freedom, not in the object, 
but in our relationship to it. The more we understand this, the more we practice it, the more we can incline to well-being. Yeah. And well-being, you know, for this being, but well-being for all. Absolutely. Yeah. Big letters. Neon sign. Yeah. That's our, our business. Well-being for all beings. So whenever we're bringing attention, yeah, in meditation practice, when we bring attention to a particular object, yeah, we're practicing this flexibility of mind. When we pay attention in a certain way, yeah, interest, kindness, yeah, peacefulness, stillness, yeah, metta, kindness, yeah, friendliness, compassion, we're practicing this. And sometimes, I think we had this up on the notice board yesterday, we forget mindfulness, yeah? Just the act of putting attention on something, yeah? In particular, without judgment, yeah? That's a radical way of looking, already there, yeah? Just doing that. So many people today kind of mentioned realizing, ah, I need to bring some kindness towards myself. I need to look after this body and heart and mind. And this is an opportunity to do that. That's radical. To see that, to feel that, and to open to that, and to explore what that means. And so we begin to see, as we look in this way, we see what happens when I bring interest and gentleness and kindness to paying attention to the breath or to sound? What happens when I bring harshness or judgment? And we're not kind of interested to see this just so that we can judge ourselves a little bit more. Most of us are pretty good at that already. (laughs) That's not a particular skill that we need to develop further. But that seeing, where does that lead? And is that in tune? Is that aligned? with my deepest aspirations. And what would be another possibility? And, you know, the body helps us, the capacity to soften, to relax, to welcome. The spaciousness of the breath or the sounds help us, support us. Remembering our intention helps us again and again. And so there's always a way of looking, yeah? It's never neutral. <laughs> Experience is never neutral. Yeah? The way of looking always has an impact on what we experience. And this is something we're invited to chew on and explore, yeah? And to apply and to practice with. Yeah? Not because someone said that that's a good idea, yeah? but because it's something we can see for ourselves, yeah? It's an insight that we can deepen into more and more. It's actually infinite. Remember, beloved Rob, Rob Bobert, used to say this so often, and kind of just getting a sense of sitting here, (laughs) getting a sense of him saying this from here. And this teaching is very much his teaching. For those of you who knew him or have heard of him. 
He used to say, this is infinite, this thread is infinite, from just sitting here and saying, ah, this makes sense to me. The way of looking impacts experience. I want to know more, I want to explore more, I want to understand more. And then keep going with that. Yeah. Keep exploring, deepening. Yeah. Noticing what brings well-being, what brings relief, what brings release. And what brings contraction and friction? Noticing that. And it's infinite. More and more wakefulness, more and more freedom that's available to us when we explore in this way. So all experience is fabricated, built up, constructed, made up, dependent on the mind, dependent on the way of looking. All experience is also um, a Nietzsche in constant changing. Nothing is fixed. Nothing is constant. And this means things are changing. We are part of that change. Each of us, as we practice, It may seem like, oh, I'm just sitting here and I'm trying to do what they're telling me to do. I'm finding myself confused most of the time (laughs) or falling asleep. And we feel like, oh, what's actually happening? What am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. But we're actually creating change. Creating change. Change of habits. Change of habitual ways of relating and paying attention. As we're finding our way, as we're exploring this territory. Everything is changing, therefore everything is changeable on some scale. And so we can change our ways of relating. We can cultivate wholesome and skillful ways of relating in a moment and over time. Yeah. In the moment and over time. And sometimes it's like, you know, complete fireworks display. And sometimes it can feel very mundane. You know, here's the habit and we see the habit and we can just relax the body a little bit. Yeah. We can just kind of drizzle in. Yeah just a drop or two of interest or kindness. Just notice what impact that makes. Just notice what impact that makes. In the moment and then over time. So this is another uh, steal from Nathan. Uh, Just remembered this one. You know, sometimes we feel like here we are on the momentum of, of how we relate to things, how we um, operate in the world. And we just feel like, ah, we're just making a really minuscule shift. It's really just like, as if like it's that, like 0.0000001 of a degree, yeah, of a change. Yeah, really, really tiny. So if you look at my fingers, You probably can't even see that there's a gap. So instead of going straight up, just a little bit different, yeah? Here's the habit, 
And we're just changing a little bit just by breathing. Yeah, softening, opening. But over time, if we just keep going, do you see how it diverges over time? Yeah. So even a tiny little shift right now, yeah, with steadiness, with continuity, over time, it's radical and deeply transformative. So the possibility, yeah, is is really exciting, yeah. yeah. Whatever exciting means to you, yeah. yeah. It's really exciting and it's really available to all of us. Yeah. Just moment by moment, one moment at a time of remembering, remembering remembering the possibilities, remembering this is possible, it's possible for all of us and each of us. This is why we have these guys here behind me. Buddha, for those of you who haven't introduced you yet, (laughs) and even, you know, more importantly in our days, Kuan Yin, Buddha of compassion and also feminine Deity, yeah, or embodiment, and so this is why we have them here. Yeah, it's not a religious thing; it's a reminder of what's possible for us. Yeah, because they're not different. Yeah, human beings, just like each of us. Yeah, infinite possibilities, the freedom of well-being that are there for us as we walk this path in our own unique way for each of us, at our own pace, in our own unfolding. So let's keep walking. Let's keep making those, you know, playful, patient changes. Let's keep getting more sensitive, more awake, more in touch with our experience, with the way it's shaped and with what's possible for all of us. Because nothing's more important than what we're doing here. This business of ending suffering for all beings. (laughs) Yeah, maybe you didn't know you signed up for that. Yeah. You don't have to take it on. Whatever your intention is, is powerful enough. But sometimes, you know, what happens? It's another way of looking that we can bring in and remember. This is where these teachings lead. This is what they're directing us towards. This is what they're making possible and inviting us to participate in. Transformation of suffering and its causes for all beings. That beautiful. So let's have a just a quiet minute together to bring this to a close.
And may we keep opening to the possibilities in each unfolding moment. And may our practice together nourish freedom and the well-being of all, all beings everywhere, including each of us and all of us. So thank you for your listening. This talk was also shaped by you. Thank you for your listening and your practice. Whether you're here in the hall or elsewhere in the world. Keep looking at the computer when I'm talking to our online friends where I should be looking at the camera. So we have some time for walking, half an hour to yeah, maybe see if we can enjoy the possibility to move in a pretty special summer evening. And then we'll be back for our last sitting of the day in half an hour, quarter to nine. Thank you for your practice and enjoy the walking. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.